<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. A Dear Media original podcast. Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way, because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Today I'm amazing. I had my first preview of school drop-off, but I just dropped my kid off at a gym where he met his nanny. It was crazy. I was like, how is my son so big? Where's the time going? Sky. But I love it. I love it. The bigger he gets. Today, this is not about Sky. This is about connecting with someone I've known for a long time. She is such an inspiration to me. She's an inspiration, I think, to many in the culinary and wine industry and just like many people because she's that badass and bomb. I'm talking about Gail Simmons, okay? She is a Canadian-American culinary expert. She is one of the permanent judges on Bravo's Emmy and James Beard Award winning series Top Chef, which I'm a huge fan, by the way, fangirling out, but like just love that show, which is in its 20th season. She is the special projects director at Food & Wine, going on 15 years. She is a published cookbook author. She has two cookbooks, Talking With My Mouthful and Bringing It Home. I think Gail and I have known each other for 10 years. I mean, a long time since before John and Vinny's and Helen's opened. I'm so thrilled to have her on Wine Face today to talk about hospitality, motherhood, food, everything, and of course, wine. Gail, thank you so much for being on Wine Face. Welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be talking to you, Helen, but it's been too long. So this is good. It's been too long. Pre-pandemic, Gail used to come to the restaurant, John and Vinny's. Pretty frequently, you'd be out in L.A. We get a glimpse of you and your mm -hmm. family and your lovely kids. And Gail is very good friends with Vinny and Sarah, my business partner, Vinny. Mm -hmm. So That's I sort right. of know Gail by association, I'll say. <laughs> but That's true. You're just We were just reminiscing last night, which we do from time to time in general, about coming to visit you at John and Vinny's in the early days when my daughter, who's now nine, 
I can't. was probably about 18 months old and fell in love with you. I mean, she was obsessed with you for weeks. And we have these videos of her just screaming out the car window at you, Helen, Helen. <laughs> and sometimes you still just scream, Helen. I mean, like it's like a family joke. It's, it's Helen. I mean, <laughs> I love that I'm part of the Simmons inner circle. I literally, yeah. your daughter yeah, was you are. just like, we had an immediate connection. I'd like to say mm -hmm. my hospitality stretches to 18 month olds. I'm just, that's my yes. demo. I'm just oh going for them. Yeah. <laughs> like, do yeah. you want it's, a crayon? It's a good demo. <laughs> you left a permanent mark. And now that you're a mom yourself, you know how valuable that is. Oh my gosh, it's another world. I, I it, <laughs> every day it evolves and and changes. And I mean, you, I look at you and everything that you're doing. I just read off that list of like insane amounts of work and creativity yeah. and time. And you have two kids, it and can be a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is a lot. I think for me, and I don't know for you, like I can create my own schedule now, and in many ways, and spend yeah. the time that I want with them. Do you feel like you have the same flexibility? Yes and no, because, you know, there are certain things that I can't get out of. Thankfully, we are living in an untraditional time in terms of making your schedule in the pandemic freed us from certain constraints of like having to be at an office all day long, et cetera. Mm. Also, we chose an industry to work in that doesn't necessarily work conventional hours. So I travel a lot for work and often I bring them, which is awesome. And they get to see the world with me. But there's other times when I have to be away, and that's really hard. I will say it is a precarious juggle, Ugh. but there's yeah. a lot of perks. You know, there's a lot of great things when it comes to motherhood with the job that I have. That so I get much to opportunity. Be flexible about. Yeah. yeah. And picking and choosing for sure. Yeah. The privilege. So did you bring your kid? You just wrapped. What season is this of Top Chef? 20. That's insane. 20th anniversary. We feel very privileged that we are still making this show. It's actually been 17 years, but 20 seasons. But if you think about that in the life of television, like there are really few series on television that have been around for that long. And I say that not to gloat, but to really like be grateful for the, this job that we, I fell into in so many ways, and I can tell you that all of us, when we set out to make the first season of Top Chef, never in a million years anticipated that we would like move to London and film season 20 in, in oh, 2022. So Going insane. through all the things we've been through along the way. It's insane, and I'm very, very proud of it. I don't know this. How did you fall into Top Chef, as you mm. just said? Like, were you looking for something like that? Like, what? Tell me how that happened. Oh, who was looking? It didn't exist. <laughs> if you go back 17 years, I was working at Food and Wine magazine. That's right. It was 2005, and the back, the, the kind of the the precursor to me being on Top Chef is that when I started at Food and Wine magazine. I started working for them in 2004 mm. and my job at the magazine was actually running part of the marketing department. And I later within about a year started running the classic in Aspen. Mm, that's right. But another responsibility I took on when I started working at food and wine was that I became one of the people at the magazine who had, I had a lot of media experience because my job before working at food and wine had been running PR and well, working in the P on the PR team, which was, a team of two, me and my <laughs> boss, for Danielle Boulou. Oh, And wow. I worked for him for three years when his restaurant group was very small. And it was really like an executive team of like eight of us. And so wow. I worked hand in hand with Danielle every day. 
And I worked on all his PR, all his events, all his charity work, his marketing. And so I had um, kind of perspective on PR from behind the camera. And when I came to Food & Wine, I also before that had been in culinary school and had been a cook. Yeah. So I came to Danielle off of that. And when I got to Food & Wine, there weren't a lot of people who could sort of cook and new PR and new media you had who chops. would be willing to go on camera as a representative for Food & Wine. So I started doing these like little media segments for Food & Wine in 2004, 2005. You know, news segments, Today Show, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cooking demos, whatever cool. it was. And at the end of 2005, Bravo came to Food & Wine and said, we have this crazy idea for a show. It's reality television, which at the time was like Survivor and Big Brother. The only food show in the remote landscape of reality television at the time was Iron Chef Japan, like the original. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it was like dubbed, ago. where it was in Japanese and it was Correct. like dubbed in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yes, it was amazing. If you, yeah. That's crazy. So, so you know, did they, you know Tom? Said, yeah. Yes, I knew Tom because years before, before I worked for Danielle Ballou, my job had been, to, I was the assistant to Jeffrey Steingarten, who was the food critic at Vogue magazine yeah. for 30 years. Oh my gosh. And I was his culinary and research assistant. And in 2002, maybe even 2001, so when I was like just out of being a line cook, we had written a story for Vogue about how to age meat and how to make the perfect steak. And Kraft had just opened up around the corner from our office. Crazy. And Jeffrey knew Tom very well. He was still at Grand Rescue Tavern and he had just opened Kraft. And Jeffrey packed Tom with aging a bunch of steak for him, custom aging a bunch of steak. And then we would go to Kraft and do these steak tastings oh. and Tom would cook for us. And I mean, Tom didn't even really pay attention to me. He was working with Jeffrey and I was like coordinating with his assistant yeah and that's how I first met Tom he didn't even remember that and the first day on set for Top Chef when Food and Wine decided to put me up for this show and send me to San Francisco to shoot the first season oh I sat down beside Tom and I said hey you may not remember me I'm at Food and Wine we met when we did the steak story for Vogue I was working for Jeffrey and that was sort of our reuniting oh. and he has sat beside me for 20 years. Ah, I have goosebumps. Okay, yeah, also- he's like my big brother. My first job in LA was at Kraft. That was my oh, first management really? job. Yeah, but I never worked with Tom. Oh, he would like cruise in I and like- if, Yeah, he would come in and out. Yeah, course. and it, he was at, he's at the level where it's like, you don't expect him to be there, but that was where I got my first management job. And that's the chef I worked for there is how I met John and Vinny. Cause that chef was like, so we are all connected. We're weirdly all connected, but dang, the hospitality industry is very small. Yeah, it's small. So here we are, twenty years later, still making Top Chef. Just spent the last two months in London filming. Yeah. What was that like? Like, what was your favorite? What's the food scene? I love London, but like, what was your favorite mm. things to do? Best things you ate? Best things you drank? Tell me, four one one. I'm going in two oh, months. Much. We were there all of August and September, which are the best months, kind of, to be in London, except. Christmas time also yeah. gorgeous, but it was sunny and hot and beautiful every day. My kids were with me for the first month, so we got to do sort of everything. I got to do a ton of stuff with them, which was great because London's a really great kids town, but it's also a really amazing eating and drinking town. Yeah. And then I had a month when they left and went back to school, and I stayed for the show. And the food scene there, I find really inspiring, not unlike New York, where it 
is it really tells an immigrant story. Mm-hmm. The Malaysian food, the Sri Lankan food, Ooh. the Nigerian food. Ooh. And then, of course, like the very modern, you know, there's obviously we had great Thai, we had great French food. You know, we ate delicious Polish food. But ah. we also had really sophisticated and extraordinary modern British food. Love that. Which I found to be like simple and stark, but the ingredients and the produce in the UK just like brought me to my knees. Oh, the dairy. Really? The eggs. Oh my God. Do you, the are eggs, there the standards butter. higher than other countries or like standards you know, of production? I don't want to talk shit about the United States. I'm just saying like when I go to Germany, no, like KFC yes. is amazing. Like their chicken yeah, is right. so good. You're just like, Oh my God. Well, that's the same with like the chocolate bars in the UK, right? right. The quality of Cadbury chocolate, which is like a, <laughs> grocery store, you know, or like you're picking it up at the local convenience store. But like, I go crazy for the chocolate there because it's chocolate. Like what's the wine scene like? Amazing. So here's something I discovered, mm, I love which this. has pros and cons, as I'm sure you're well aware. England is producing a lot of wine. Like that's not yep. a place that I mm-hmm. thought to drink my wine from, mm-hmm. especially they're, they're producing a lot of sparkling, sparkling wine and it's not bad. Yeah. It's really good. You know, climate change is changing everything, but pre-champagne becoming champagne like hundreds of years ago like England was actually making sparkling wine kind of around the same time and they had a little rivalry going but yeah climate shifting in places like England and northern Europe correct and so that's terrible for the planet and our inhabitants yeah but kind of great for the wine scene temporarily yeah I found that really interesting that they are really working on a blossoming, burgeoning wine scene that is pretty cool. Yeah. The beer is excellent, as you can so imagine. Good. The Pop- cider, you know, things like that, I really love. But more importantly, I think, and I knew this from my last visit to Europe, to France and England over the last several years, is that the natural wine scene, the natural wine bar situation is just like 10 years ahead of us in a lot of ways. It's the standard. It's not like the exception. And so the yeah. wine lists are just really interesting. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of great small producers that we were turned on to, whether mm-hmm. they, they weren't necessarily all from the UK. Yeah. But the wine list there feels so devoutly different than American wine lists. And so I really appreciated that. And just, it was a chance to, we ate out a lot. Uh, and there's so many great restaurants. I still have a list of like 75 restaurants I didn't get to. But I made a dent and I drank a lot of great wine. I love that. I'm going to hit you up. I feel like what you touched on is so interesting because about natural wine, you know, a lot of mm. people in the U.S., I think as Americans, feel the need to like compartmentalize and label things and yes. make it like it's this or that, right? And, you know, I never call Helen's like a natural wine shop because like we have a lot of natural wine, but we also have like other wine that maybe wouldn't fit into that classification, but it's like organically farmed, sure. some of the best burgundy, right. some champagne, but... It's interesting because when I go to Europe, I see exactly the same thing that like the lists are more integrated. There is more representation mm-hmm. of this yes. wine that actually is just what wine should be. Right. But trying to depolarize. That's what we're trying to do on this podcast. Depolarize the American mindset yes. about wine. That this, really, that hits. It's too extreme. Say. So when you guys do wine on the show, like mm-hmm. in London, do you try and use like English winemakers. Obviously, I'm sure some people are sponsoring. Not like right. it's like no, that's that. That's a really good question. Yeah. So we do have a wine sponsor on the show, but this season we do try to do a lot locally, no matter where we are, and that includes 
our crew, you know, going to London was exciting because we brought a lot, you know, we have a big crew at this point. We are a, a big show. Yeah. Didn't always feel that way. You know, the first 10 You're years, big we deal. were like a little engine that could. Yeah. But now, you know, to make the show that we want to make takes a lot of people and they work really, really hard. But when we went, and we always hire locally in every city we go to, and in London it was great because we had, um, you know, our crew was like half and half, which is really cool. I love it. Honestly, full disclosure, I had never seen Top Chef until about five years ago, and then I got my husband into it, Alex. Nice. And, and like, he's more obsessed than I am, I think. Like, he just loves it so much, so he's going to be so excited. That makes me happy. That makes me proud. We are... We really like what we do, so, so and we special. want to be doing it for as long as we can. So I'm, I'm all for it. It only you know, keeps getting better. It only keeps getting yeah, better. You know, yeah, it's been a conscious effort, and I'm grateful to that. You know, it's a conscious effort by us, sure, but our producers and Bravo have really allowed us to 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 like evolve the show and speak to the moment that we're in. And I think yep. every season. And every location we go to has its own set of challenges, but also its own characterization and story and moment in time. You know, for example, when we shot in Portland in 2020, that was like by far the most challenging season. We shot in the middle of a pandemic. This is before vaccines, you know, before we really had any clue. We were in the thick of it. And first of all, they really doubled down and, and created a bubble that we could film in safely but we were never going to go into making that season and per- like as if we were in a studio living in a world where the pandemic didn't happen and we were just yeah. eating beautiful fine dining food when the entire restaurant industry was out of work unemployed yeah. on social security fighting for their lives bankrupt losing their houses you know what i mean just so we washing groceries yeah. off like everyone's being right. like no one exactly. knew what the not ch- to mention the injustices of that moment yeah. that were happening around us right so we really leaned into that and we made it very apparent in that season in every episode that we addressed an issue that's connected to the food world yep. that's connected to the world of restaurants and that affects all of us and that you saw the masks and the social distancing you know like we made it real yeah. and we've continued to evolve that and you know, make it better. The world has not made life easy for anyone right now, but I think that's what makes the show feel authentic is that we, we face it. I, yeah, I have to say. Food's political. People yeah, don't want to admit that. It, it's totally political. political. It's always been political. It's always been about control and like minimalism mm-hmm. versus maximalism in like a really fucked up yeah. way. But what I love about what the producers and what you all have been doing on Top Chef is that in broadening and in a lot of ways and then being more inclusive in other ways, like you're just so Mm -hmm. much more talented people are on the show now. Like it seems like that's what's so much cooler to me is I'm like, it's kind of obvious, like in past seasons you go back, like some people are amazing and some people are like, eh, but now it's like everyone just is so badass that it really is exhilarating. Yeah, two things changed there, but yes. One is that Kat, first of all, the thing that, I didn't mention is that really at the end of the day, that's what our show is about is, is the contestants yeah. and their stories and those narratives that we have worked so hard to find and tell those stories yeah. and to make it a more equitable place to tell those stories yeah. and to just show a much more truthful, apparent and relevant picture of what the real restaurant industry is like. Yeah. And it doesn't, and also that it doesn't come from like one perspective, you know, yeah, and that like, tell, of where people come from in the restaurant industry and that's exciting because I agree that the, so important. the quality of cooking 
has risen. The, our expectations have, have, have diminished. You know, we don't feel like everyone has to cook. It's not about cooking a certain way. It's about cooking your way. And exactly. we have to rise to you as opposed to you catering to us. You know? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the food isn't going to be beautiful and thoughtful and well executed in every form. Yeah, it has yeah. to be intelligent. Right. But I think what's cool is that like it's elevating cuisines that like some people 20, 10 years ago, five years ago, it might have been like, oh, no you can go try this. It's a hole in the wall. It's like some cuisines around the world don't need to just be holes in the wall. They should be these That's amazing right. restaurants that anyway. So mm -hmm. kudos to you. Two Correct. more Top Thank Chef. You. Two more Top Chef questions. Uh, sure. Is there like a whole sort of treasure chest of B-roll stuff that you guys are at any point going to put out? Like sp spitting ah. out food. I mean, you maybe the answer is no, but I'm like, there must be so much like. Oh, off no, the answer is definitely. Well, the answer is yes, it exists. <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever be put out. But if you think what people also don't see behind the scenes of Top Chef is that we shoot. We have like eight to ten cameras shoot every episode takes two to three days to shoot and we're shooting 10 cameras like wow. 12 hours a day so Crazy. think about like 120 hours of footage every day for two to three days that gets boiled down to 46 minutes of actual episode right that's, so that's the editing process so what's amazing is it's almost all b-roll like is the judges table is like probably six hours it used to be it is still there are some days when it's six hours Generally, it's about four hours, and that so is long. all now. <laughs> just, but yeah. The first 10 seasons, I would say, the average job of judges table was six to eight hours. Crazy. I mean, extraordinary. We have, have made lot life more efficient, but also there are so many hours you don't see. There are so many stories that are never shown. There's also a lot of really funny moments. Like I always, when I speak to the people in post-production, I'm always like, you must be so sick of my eye rolling <laughs> and my snarky <laughs> remarks. And then like Tom and I are in the corner like, singing Grateful Dead songs and I mean there's like all these weird things and like Todd and I are making snacks oh my god last question about t -t tippity top chef before we go to my favorite segment what about the outfits the fashion game mm. has elevated do you get to keep the mm, clothes thank you all the ladies want to know <laughs> that's a funny topic too that yes I, it's like not my clothes. I don't, I mean, yes, it's my clothes after the fact sometimes, but the wardrobe department is actually an enormous amount of work and it is a huge They do it. Department. Yeah. You know, yes, it's like a, a four to six, eight person department at times. You know, we have Padma has her stylist and wardrobe person and Tom and I share a stylist wardrobe person. She's been with us now for 10 seasons. That's crazy. And she has, you know, a team helping her and, it starts two months before the show starts because even though there's only 15 episodes, they're very specific. Every location changes. You know, it's not a fashion show. I don't need to look outrageous and crazy and I don't need to like draw attention, but I want to look sophisticated, professional. I want to yep. hit the right note. I yep. want to be comfortable. I want to be able to eat. But we also are, are like often, we're especially in the last three seasons, we're shooting outside at yeah. least half the time. You need the right shoes because you're on grass or that sometimes you're on a farm and there are days when it's pouring rain and then there's, a shot where I need a jacket because it snows out of the blue or it hails. <laughs> like, you know, there's all these crazy it. factors. You know, generally I'm in like a cocktail dress, but I think the show has gone a little more casual over the years, which yeah. is nice too because it shows a bit of a different side to us and to food and cooking, right? If we don't eat, you know, 12 course fancy tasting menus in real life. So why are we doing it on the show so often? Oh my God. It's a big job. It's a big job. Yeah. 
Okay, now it's time for my favorite segment. It's called You Bring, Bring I Bring. It. Yep, and yeah. I brought a wine and you brought it. Well, I shipped you a wine and you shipped me some yeah. wines. Let's start Let's start with your wines. Tell me which one. I have three wines here. So you dealer's choice, Gail Simmons. Oh my goodness, Roulette. where to start? I'm really excited I mean, to taste these and hear about the story and it's, they look delicious. They're delicious, like easy food wines that I thought would be a good place to meet in the middle. I'm Wait. holding, yes. Yeah, White wine. I'm holding the white because okay. it was the closest. I'm holding the white too. Um, great. I can it's see that. Cozy. <laughs> so this is a Dior Chardonnay. Awesome. Uh, this is from Monterey, from Central Coast of California. Uh, this is the 2020. Do you have 2020 in your hand? No, I have 2021. Okay. Oh, that's okay. I'm drinking different wines for some reason. Oh my gosh. Know. But I mean, um, let's just vibe it out. So talk to me. Cold, exactly. Monterey's cool because it's coastal, yes. right? It's coastal. Right. There's nice like salinity influence. Yes. For Chardonnay, this smells like very classic to its nature. One thing people don't realize about Chardonnay is it's really a chameleon grape, mm -hmm. which like absorbs anything it's exposed to. Mm, I like that. That's sort of a new piece of information for me, which mm. I love because you always teach me so much. It's a California Chardonnay, but it kind of drinks almost more like a French Chardonnay, I would say, because it has less oak and a little more of that coastal salinity you know, brine. Yeah. Should we say like a brininess? Like when I mm -hmm. smell it, I'm like, Ooh, I think this is going to be a little oaky, but actually the palate is really clean. It's really fresh. Yeah. It's got a little bit of zest. It's got more of a creaminess, not sweet, but just like really doesn't aggressively hit your palate with too much acid or mineral. Yes. It's very balanced, which very is something balanced. I'm always looking for in a wine. This is so Me cool. Too. And that's also, I think why it makes such a great food pairing wine. Like this is what would you pair this with? A great wine. I don't know. Seafood is what yeah. I always kind of want it with. It's an easy drinking wine. You know, the reason I chose it, Viora is a wine that I've been working full disclosure, been working <laughs> with for a long time. Okay. Now over a year, I have been creating recipes for them, cool. and they are really, really fun to work with because they sort of give me carte blanche and ask me the same question you ask, like, "What do you want to drink with this wine?" And when I describe it, they're like, "Great, let's make that." So I've been having a lot of fun with this wine and I find it really easy drinking. It's, it's, it's like a really approachable for the price points, nice and it's actually findable, but it feels a little more decadent, a little more luxurious than, you know, your average supermarket buy. So like Diora Chardonnay, we could find this in a grocery store across the country. Mm -hmm. and which is great because not everybody has access to a fine wine shop or the to ability Helen. to Helen's or the ability to pay for wines to get shipped to them. So it's nice Correct. to be able to identify a brand within a local grocery store that is going to drink really well. Because I think that's mm -hmm. people's fears. How do I know if it's what's in the bottle is going to be good? Yes. And it's also daunting to go to a grocery store or to a wine shop. I get daunted all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm slowly figuring out what I like. Yep. And I really lean on the people who work in wine shops to, yeah. to, to steer me to new things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the first step is sort of just knowing what you're looking for, even if it's in an abstract way, right? And then yep. the first thing to put the pieces together. When you go to a supermarket and you want to get a bottle of wine, you can't necessarily find, you know, Helen and her and her band of hooligans <laughs> to describe and to help you find your wine. So having like a few on your list that you know are going to pair well with your food. And I think Diora is a great wine for that purpose because yes. you just, you know that everyone will be happy at the table. Even your picky mother-in-law. I was actually going to say, this is a great dinner party white wine because it yes. would please Chardonnay drinkers and Sauvignon Blanc drinkers. It kind of hits exactly. two notes. 
Go Diora. So if people want to see the yeah. recipes you're creating for them, where would they find those recipes? On their website? Yes. On Diora's website, there's a place that has all the recipes that I make for them. And then they're also on my Instagram, which is Gail Simmons Eat. I make videos to pair with all, you know, a lot of the food. So I do sort of one per season. Mm-hmm. And so I just did a holiday one yeah. that you can find and spring is coming up and I do a, a Chardonnay pairing. Oh uh, so you can check that out shortly. I just want to tell everybody that Gail is like a super badass chef. She and I did a <clears> co-led, <throat> like I did a wine class and then she did a cooking class. And I like was watching her segment like I went first and then she came on and she was like cooking this crazy steak and I'm you're a badass chef like I'm sure people Thank are you. like eh does she you know not like they don't yeah. know it but no, I no, think no, I people think probably right. underestimate that like yo you can throw down like any other I, I, I cook yeah. I really do and I do think you know because of Top Chef which I'm grateful for but people see me like again in a cocktail dress sitting at a dinner table more often than they see me behind the stove. Yep. But my roots are behind the stove and I've worked in, you know, I started off in culinary school, worked as a line cook in New York for a long time. And I've always worked with my hands in, in the soup, so to speak. In so the, I love soup. to cook and I love to write recipes and I love to create recipes. I'm bringing, we're both going to open it. So this yeah. is Feeling Farm and it's the wine project from Rajat Par, Raj Par, who oh, of course. he is he amazing. amazing. I adore that man. Super well-known, incredibly respected sommelier who... He was like Michael Mina's sommelier. Is he still? Is he no, still? I don't. No. Maybe he can. He has his own place now. Right? He's no, like living he in Cambria. Like he's literally, I saw him a couple weeks ago. And for the background, this guy was wow. a master psalm without being a master psalm, right? Like... He's the yeah. one guy that like all Incredibly the master songs were like, he knows more than us and we'll no never question. know. But he is now living in Cambria and he has like a fully operational farm and yeah. he's planting vines, growing grapes. It's some of the most exciting wine coming out of California. Living the dream. On a smaller scale. Yeah. It's when I saw him, he seemed a little tired. It was just like post harvest. Um, a lot of early morning. So much early morning. He has like dogs that live there. He has sheep. I mean, it just seems crazy. So this is Gamay Noir. So the Gamay Noir is grown near his farm where the winery is in Cambria. Also, what is up with the color of this wine? It's just it's magical. Gorgeous. So he's making, uh, a lot of the varietals he's making are actually Jura inspired. So he's growing Trousseau, mm. Monduce from the Savoie. He's also like the Gamay Noir is not something you'd find in the Jura. You'd find more Pinot Noir. He's growing Sauvignon. But this is just like fresh, bright, a little bit crunchy. It is very soft and delicate, but it's really pretty. Such a gorgeous like food wine. I don't know. I thought you'd really enjoy it because of the subtlety. So first of all, I really do enjoy it. Yeah. This is my kind of red wine. Really? To me, yes. I'll tell you something that again will show my age. I don't know what happened to me a couple of years ago. I stopped being able to drink red wine as much as I want to. And it kind of depends on the wine I'm drinking. You're not alone. But yeah. my taste, yeah, like my taste in red wine has really changed as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. I used to, in my 20s and 30s, be able to drink like big red wines. And yeah. I would like totally get into the like super Tuscans and yep. cabs. Or that, or I no, could, you know, yeah. for sure. And now I'm looking, I just, 
I, I'm not able to do it. Like my physically, it doesn't make me feel great. I mean, it depends on the wine, but I'm just always looking for great food pairing mm-hmm. reds, yeah. but that you can pair a little more broadly. And also that just are like light and fresh. There's like beautiful levity to this wine, like really nice. Like you feel, okay, so first of all, you're not alone. A little bit of pepperiness. Since, since opening Helen's, and I don't know whether it's like I'm a female in the wine business that so many women have felt comfortable to open up to me, but number one comment I get from women over the age of 35 is I can't drink red wine or I can't drink full-bodied red wine anymore. I can't do it. And yeah. I got to find is a doctor because it, it has to do probably with the tannins and the histamines, but... I'm always like, you need to drink Gamay. You need to drink Pinot Noir. You need to drink lower alcohol red wine that's lighter in body, and you'll be totally fine. It 100% totally fits, and it's a female thing. Absolutely. It's really wild. It must have so something. So interesting, except also my husband, who is also Well, I'm very, not saying it's um, only female, but mostly women no, no, talk no, to no, me no. about wine. They're like, See, but you. We, but we react. No, of course. We react differently to wine, my husband and I. We both can't really drink big, full-body reds anymore, but for different reasons. For me, it keeps me up. Yep. Gives me like heart palpitations at night and like maybe anxiety, yeah. but also just keeps me up. I'm like wired if I drink it. I can't sleep well. That's what women it gives say. gives him like intense, intense heartburn. Oh, yeah. Funny that's... He's just an, old, an old man. <laughs> but um, so there's like a study there. There's something there. That's we got to find the person. Alan. First of all, that you are basically like a female wine therapist. Exactly. Which doesn't surprise me because yeah. I feel very comfortable opening up to you about all things, <laughs> but wine in particular. But that's like a really interesting see. I didn't realize that I was not alone. It's nice to not feel alone. You're not alone. And I think women don't feel empowered to talk about their body, how it changes to how they're, how is it uh, correlated to your taste changing, how our hormones change from day to day, week to week. And then as the years go by and that like there should be empowerment in that not, you know, oh shit, like I'm not the same version of myself I used to be. Like yes. the rhetoric around like, yo, drinking light red wine is where it's at. That's my thing is I don't really like- Well, Gary, we're launching the campaign right yep. now. <laughs> also, thank you, Rajat Parr, for yep. creating wines for sophisticated women. I mean, he's literally just, <laughs> he's literally a gem. You got to come out here. We'll get him involved. We'll yeah. do something. Oh, I love that. I love that man from afar. Okay, Gail, you are such a treat. I could talk to you all day, but before we wrap, I love to put guests through a segment I like to call right now rapid fire. It means answer to love how it. you're feeling right now. Are you down? Down. Yeah. All right. Here we go. White or red? Gamay Noir. No, um, <laughs> generally white. White. Cool. Light or full? Light. Orange wine or rosé? Both, <laughs> but not together. But Blend. maybe these, like, I mean, I'm kind of, I dig the funk. Yeah. So I'm going to say orange right now. You really had a time in London. All right. Fill in the blank. <laughs> fill in the blank. Fried chicken plus. Champagne. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Truffles or caviar? Caviar. No brainer. Oh my God. Amazing. You're all the, day. You are the all first day. person who hasn't hemmed and hawed about that one. What is your. I just sent caviar to my aunt last night, literally <sighs> delivered because she, it, it was her birthday. And I was like, if we can't be together, at least I can send you caviar. You're such a. All badass. I want to eat all the time. Oh my God. What's your current drink order? Besides wine? Yep. Yeah, it could be anything. I love an espresso martini. I'm kind of into the fact that they're back. I do too. Once, like once in a while, they just, they really are delicious. And also, otherwise, if I'm feeling a little sultry, uh, we'll hawk in Negroni. 
Ooh, okay. You know, mezcal. Mezcal. mezcal Negroni. See, if I'm not drinking wine, I'm drinking mezcal. It's my fave. I feel that. I love deeply. it. I love it. Mm-hmm. You got to do Top Chef Oaxaca. Oh, I mean, that would please. Just... I've been, I've been begging. Be- I actually, when we were on our way out of London, I said to my producers, "Please, what body part do I have to sell to do our next <laughs> season in Mexico City?" Oh. and they were like, "Yeah, I don't know. We're working on it, but All you know, right. it's it's difficult. It's difficult, but we are gold." I'm gonna gold. start writing letters. Dear Top it, Chef please. producers, Gail, you are literally just the best. If people want to learn more about you, buy your cookbook, follow you. I know your Instagram, you mentioned it before, but tell everybody where they can get yeah, more Gail sure. Simmons. Gail Simmons eats on Instagram and just straight up Gail Simmons on Twitter. But, you know, go to Instagram. It's prettier. Oh, Gail, thank you so much. This was so lovely. I can't wait to see you in real life. Come to LA. Thanks, I'll Helen. be in New York. You're the best. You are the best. You're just a yes, dream. Please. Oh my god. Thank gosh. you. All right. My cheers. Pleasure. I love seeing you. Enjoy the rest cheers. of the wine. Cheers. cheers.